Hey, good morning, everybody. Let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. Thank you very much. Bible says where two or three are gathered together, what? God is in the midst of them, right? And so I realize that, that uh, some of the mask wearing, some of the things that we're having to deal with can make us a little nervous, make us wonder. In fact, I must be getting pretty comfortable with my mask. I walked up here with it and uh, didn't realize till the video that I had it off. So when I couldn't see my notes because my glasses were fogged up. So it's great to have you here today. How many of you would love to leave here with something concrete? concrete that God just blesses you with that changes this next week. Would you like that? Would that be great? All right. That's what I think I have for you today. And before we get into that, let me just say that you won't want to miss next week. We're going to be talking about filling our new building with chairs. Okay. We're going to present a strategy for that. By the way, we closed on our permanent facility on Friday. Everything went well. We're excited. We're we're looking forward to it. It's going to be great. And we, we anticipate God's got good things. You know, the church that I just pastored, in the 80s, God gave them a dream. To, they had this little tiny sanctuary and no, no other uh, part of their building uh, other than their auditorium. And so uh, God gave them a dream to expand their ministry during the recession. And people thought, no, it can't be done. You can't, you can't take a step of faith during a time like this. And by the time I got there, that was a story of a building block of how God miraculously built that church during those years. And I got to be uh, reap the reward or benefits of, of their step of faith. And I think that's happening for Life Church Appleton right now. In fact, for all of our campuses, we are uh, extending, expanding. Um, the Milwaukee campus is, has not seen anything change physically in 75 years. And so they are renovating the Milwaukee campus for our outreaches and all of those things. It's exciting stuff. And, and so don't miss next week. Our last Sunday here will be August 23rd. Our first Sunday in the new building will be uh, August 30th. It's going to be a great, great day uh, of celebrating. So we encourage you to mark that day on your calendar. And um, it, it's really going to be great. So bring a friend. Next week, we'll have some new invites for you, changing, uh, of course, from the details of meeting here at the theater to the details of our new permanent facility. Let me say we're going to do this in two, phase, two phases or stages. The first one will just be a rebranding where we have temporary signage, new colors uh, in the building, do some things like that, certainly a deep clean. Uh, hopefully you received a request to be involved in uh, that process, and hopefully you've responded online. We'll have some days planned uh, for all of us to get together on, a, on certain days, but also those of you that are available at other times to be working on some projects there. And then over time, over the next period of time, 
time, and this will actually go on for quite some time. At the speed of our generosity will be our ability to really renovate that space and make it completely what we would like to like it to be and believe uh, that we can get the most out of. So uh, I'm really, really excited and appreciate the last six and a half years of officially holding services and uh, after our grand opening of this campus. And, and so I came in here at the end and was able to help push this over the finish line. But it's really been you guys doing the work that's made this possible. So it's really going to be great. And I realize that some of you, as we get started today with our message, uh, some of you are going to be going back to school with your kids. I mean, you're going to be teaching your kids at home again. Now, some of you, your children may be in the school setting. Others will be teaching their, their kids at home, depending on the school district. So as we continue our Summer at Life Church series today, we're going to start looking a little bit toward the fall, and, and I'm going to introduce to you a concept I want to preach to you about today, and that is persistent peace. How many of you could use an extra dose of peace right now? Is that, could, could you use an extra dose of peace? And I want to talk to you about persistent peace, and I want to introduce my thoughts today with two equations. My wife and some friends of ours last week were making fun of me for the fact that, well, it was actually our other worship leader, Mackenzie Gimbin. They were making fun of me for the fact that uh, I'm not very good at math. I want you to know that I can balance a budget and a checkbook, but I can't mix letters and numbers, okay? Well, algebra or that, those types of things, I cannot do. So I went into my final exam for my college algebra class, and I needed 30% on my exam to pass the class. And I met with a tutor after every class session. So I got 100% on all of my homework assignments, but I didn't know what I was doing. He just walked me through everything after every class period. And so each, each question on the exam was worth 10 points. There were 10 questions. And I got three, actually I needed 23. So I needed three questions right, 23 points. I got three right. I got 30. I passed college algebra by seven points or I would still be living in Minneapolis, Minnesota trying to find my way through Bible college. So with that in mind, and some of you having to teach people, teach your, your, your kids, you know, some math stuff this fall, uh, just a few weeks here, I thought I'd introduce an equation. And this will introduce our subject of persistent peace. And here's the, the equation will be on the screen behind me. Negative W plus P squared equals P infinity or two infinity. Okay, that's our first equation. Remember, we're talking about persistent peace. Negative W plus p squared equals p to infinity. Now, I'm giving you a hint here on where we're going in the Bible. If, 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 you, can, if you have some verses memorized on peace, 
You may already know what this verse is. I would. I'm just telling you, if I was sitting where you were, I I would already have it uh, memorized because I'm so good at equations. And the second one is this, PTL to the sixth, which I promise you this, PTL does not mean praise the Lord, right? Okay. PTL to the sixth power plus PP equals G. PPG. So, PTL to the sixth power plus PP equals PG. Now, let's go back to the first equation. Have you had a moment to think about, does anybody think they know what the W stands for? Just, just shout it out. We're, we're just family today. What was that? Worry. No worry. Negative worry plus P squared. What does the P squared stand for? Anybody? Prayer, thank you. So no worry plus prayer square. Where does the square come from? In the verse, he says, pray, make your requests and thanksgiving. Two types of prayer that he specifically speaks about. And that will bring peace to infinity. Never ending, non-explainable peace. We'll get to that in just a moment. Now, the thing about equations, the thing about formulas is that they always work, right? Like two plus two is always four, no matter what your ninth grader says, right? (laughs) No matter if he's still trying to figure it out, she's trying to figure it out. Two plus two is always four, Equations always work. So this always works. Negative worry plus prayer squared, requests and thanksgiving always produce supernatural, divinely imparted peace that goes on. It doesn't go away. Now, we can let go of it, but the equation always works. And then... Protect a protected thought life, PTL. Protected thought life, this is verse 9, we'll introduce it in just a minute. A protected thought life to the sixth power. Paul says, think about what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, and these things will bring PP, which is persistent peace through persistent practicing of these things will bring the presence of the God of peace into your life. The presence of the God of peace. So when when you do these things, when you have a protected thought life, and when all of this stuff is pushing at you from all of these different ways and angles, when you take responsibility for your thought life and you direct it in this way onto these things and you persistently follow, you persistently practice what Paul is saying, it will always take you to the place where the presence of the living God is alive and at work in your heart. Now, the problem is, a lot of times, we don't live the formula, <laughs> right? We, we don't live the formula, and it's not because we're bad. 
we just get sidetracked, but the formula always works. And if you have circumstances in your life currently that are challenging your peace, then you need to learn these formulas. You need to learn the word of God. Because peace can seem like an elusive state. Like, how can you be at peace? Pastor Dan, don't you know what's happening in the world? Yes, I do. I understand it's difficult. I understand that anything could happen from where we currently are. But I believe there's a verse in the Bible that we all know that says, Who can add a day to their life by worrying? It is what it is, and I don't mean to be flippant, but we get where all of this is eventually going. And so I want to help you with that today with, if you're struggling with worry, I want to help you live in persistent peace. Philippians 4, 6 to 9, maybe you've already guessed where we're going to be going today. It says this, don't worry about anything. I wonder if he really meant that. You think Paul really understood what he was saying? Don't worry about anything. Yeah, but Pastor Dan, he didn't have to raise my kid. (laughs) I know, he didn't raise mine either. And there were days I had to get my mind around this verse, this passage. Don't worry about anything. You know, worry is an acceptable sin for believers. We love to preach certain passages about how people should live, but this one, we're okay if we break. That, that, that's, really, that's really how I see it, that worry is an acceptable sin for believers. Now, of course it's not, but I'm saying practically speaking, we live that way. And worry happens at the expense of our worship. You say, Pastor Dan, what do you mean by that? Worry is an attitude of the heart. And worship is an attitude of the heart. And when I do one, it cancels out the other. So either I'm going to be filled with worry in my heart or I'm going to be filled with worship in my heart. If I step into the presence of God, if I'm just there, if I, if I am worshiping God and acknowledging who he is and how incredible he is, it's impossible for me to at the same time be filled with worry. Otherwise, I don't get who God is. They're both an attitude of the heart. They cancel each other out. So I'm either operating in worship, which is linked to the greatness of God and is linked to my trust of God, or I'm living in worry. I can't do both at the same time. Now, I think actually we move in and out of them at various times in our life, various times in our Christian walk and journey. We go in and out of these things, right? Today, maybe I'm living in victory. 
more than maybe I will be tomorrow. And, 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 but the goal is to live in this place of worship rather than worry all of the time. So Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So we're getting into P squared. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Now, God already knows what you need. But this, this is a process for us to let him know, God, here's where we are. This is what we need. We, we're asking you to meet this need. And in that exchange, there's something valuable. And then it goes on to say, not only tell God what you need, but thank him for all that he's done. You know, in my prayer times, I try and reverse those. I try and always enter my prayer times by telling God how thankful I am for everything that he's done. And then I add on at the end, almost like a tagline, like, okay, Lord, having said all of that, here, here are my needs. But I'm not going to sit here and, and cry over them. I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, yell at you over them and make sure you understand that I have some needs here. I'm just kind of out of all of my, my faith, out of all of the goodness, the greatness of all you've done before. Here I'm going to add these things on. Paul goes on to say this. It's powerful. And then, now there's the equation. When you do one, the other naturally follows. When you live that way, when you don't worry, when you have prayer that comes in thanksgiving and also making your requests, a natural byproduct will be that you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. You won't be able to explain it. People will say, are you nuts? Don't you know what's going on? I'll never forget the day one of my friend's kids got hit by a car. Fortunately, it was not life-threatening, but it took the top of his foot right off. The tire just peeled everything away. So his son is in the hospital, and I meet him in the hospital, and I'm like, are you okay? What, you know, what's going on and whatever? And he's got, God's got this. God's got this. Praise God that it wasn't worse. You know, feet heal. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, right? That's how it makes a difference in our lives. It's a natural byproduct. If something is happening and you are all over the place. You're helter-skelter, man. You, you, you just are beside yourself. Maybe, just maybe, you're missing part of the equation. Maybe you're filled with worry instead of worship, and your prayer life is not focused on all that God has done because he's done some pretty remarkable things. Peace that we're talking about is always proven in the midst of the storm. Peace is always proven in the midst of the storm. 
Do you remember the day Jesus and his disciples were in the boat? And it was an incredible storm and Jesus was sleeping. And they had to wake him up and they're like, what's going on? Don't you get it? And he said, don't you guys have any faith? Hasn't it been revealed to you yet that I'm all powerful? Why are you so afraid? Peace comes in the midst of the storm. You know, when you have a few days off or a week off or something, you get to go someplace special and you're driving there or flying there, whatever it is. By the time you get there, you're like exhausted, right? You can't even think straight. You're like, ah, well, the pressures of life are are leaving you and we all need to get away. We all need to decompress. But on some level, even in the midst of our struggle, peace should be proven in the storm. And the peace you feel day five of your vacation is not what I'm talking about because that's just natural decompression. I'm talking about something that's in the midst of the problem you face today. Maybe that's a problem in your marriage. Maybe that's a problem in your business. Maybe that's a problem in the fact that you're not married. Maybe that's a problem that we're facing in our community, in our culture, whatever it is. In the midst of that problem, you can understand peace that's greater than anything explainable. Paul goes on to say this, His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. His peace will guard your heart. Your heart does not have to be in turmoil all of the time. Your heart doesn't have to be, you know, like in a, in a storm all of the time, according to your circumstances. It does not have to be. Now you say, Pastor Dan, are you telling me that you've never been through that, something like that? No. I've had to learn this the hard way. A number of years ago, I was up in the middle of the night pacing my bedroom floor. I didn't even know why I was up. I'm pacing my bedroom floor, picking at my head until I had sores on my head. Now, just in case you missed it, newsflash, I'm bald. (laughs) Okay? So you can see that pretty, you know, easily on me. And in the days and weeks to come, my wife would say, Dan, leave that alone. Leave that. Don't you get it? I'm like stressing out here. I would get out of my bed in the middle of the night and start walking and be like, what am I up for? You know, I don't know, just nervous energy. Life does not have to be that way. The peace of God will guard your hearts, not remove all of your troubles. In fact, some of them will refine you into the person that God wants you to be. But it will guard your heart and your mind from worry and doubt. And he goes on to say this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts, fix your thoughts, a protected thought life. 2 Corinthians 10.5, take captive every thought 
that sets itself up against the mind of Christ, a protected thought life. I can't protect your thoughts. Your husband or your wife, your friend, your pastor, who, they can't protect your thoughts. We have a responsibility to protect our own thought life. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Now, do you ever notice the enemy wants to lie to you constantly about everything? He is the father of lies. The enemy is the father of lies. He will use every trick, every opportunity to lie to you. Starting with, you're not good enough. Your, your marriage, your job, your whatever's falling apart. You're lost. This is going to end terribly for you. The enemy is the father of lies. And I want to speak to, just briefly, what's happening in our community the reality is, there are certain things we don't know what's true. So rather than spend all of our time focusing on what we're uncertain about as it relates to being true, focus on biblical truth. How about this truth? How about this promise? Jesus said, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. There's a lot we don't know. There's a, in, in, in our culture, in this world today, there's so much we don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus promised me peace in the midst of all of it. That's awesome. That's like, thank you, God. That's a game changer. How about this one? Truth. I will never leave you or forsake you. No matter what you're going through, I will never leave you or forsake you. How about this one? The disciples, the apostles standing on the Mount of Olives and Jesus ascends into heaven and the angel appears to them and says, what are you guys staring up into heaven for? The one who left will return in the same way. Jesus is returning for his church. The second coming, beginning with the rapture of the church, will take place. That's a promise. We don't have promises here on earth that everything will be great. But I know this, that in the end... Those who understand God, when Jesus is coming, that's our blessed hope. Our blessed hope is that all of this mess will someday be set right when Jesus returns and takes the church to heaven. One clap. Now, that was pretty good. And, and so, like, I'm going to say that again. The return of Christ is our blessed hope when Jesus comes back and sets this mess aright, right? Much better, right? That will happen. And I can have peace in the midst knowing that that's what's going to happen. I don't know all the details in between, but what about this one? What about when Jesus said, don't worry about what they do to your body. They can't harm your soul. 
And your spirit, man, is what's ultimately more important. What about Peter who said, we are simply pilgrims passing through a foreign land? Did you know that literally, I'm not speaking allegorically, literally, we are to think of ourselves as citizens of heaven before of the United States of America? Did, did, did you grab that? I'm a citizen of heaven. I live in the United States of America. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so we have to think and, and focus on these things that are true. And then he goes on to say things that are honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. So we have a responsibility. I mean, nobody's going to show up at your door. I'm not going to knock on everybody's door this week and say, Hey, have you been having a protected thought life? Are you thinking about what's true, honorable, lovely, pure, of good report? Are, are you only thinking? No. Paul says, you do it. Keep putting into practice all of those things that come from the word. Everything you've heard from him, which is the scripture, and that we've seen him doing. And then it's the God of peace will be with you. The persistent peace of God will be with you as you persistently practice those things. And I'll tell you how you know if you're living in things that are true, honorable, worthy, of good report, all of the six that we just listed. Do you feel at peace? Because the equation, the formula is always true. The presence of God brings peace in my life. I'm not a very peaceful person. Can I just say that I'm pretty emotional? You can ask my wife. I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional person in the natural. I respond very emotionally. Anything good in my life in this area, l legit, comes from the Spirit of God. But I find that I can be my worst enemy in living with worry. Because God always leads me away from worry. Now, three main areas that people often worry about. And the first one is this. What's going to happen? Or what if this doesn't happen? Right? Like, you ever find yourself worrying about that? Like, what... what What's going to happen here? How's this going to work out? How's this going to turn out? And then if it goes this way or that way, then, then this might happen. Yes, it may happen. But who by worrying can add a single day to their life? You can only ruin your day with worry. We want to know so much. Now, the Bible says we should have the attitude of Christ. 
But who can know the mind of God? Like he's so vast, so big. How can we know everything that he knows? In fact, if we knew everything he knew, it would crush us. We can't, we can't hold everything God knows. We, we, we're just not capable of that. Fear of the unknown gets our lives. And can I tell you, it really boils down to trust. Do we trust God with our lives? Do we trust God in all circumstances, in every situation? I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament. They wouldn't bow down to uh, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, but before they were thrown into the furnace, they were warned that they would be thrown in. This, hey, God will deliver us, but if he doesn't, I'm okay. Right? Like, that's faith. That's trust. God will deliver us, but if he doesn't, I'm okay. If, if things move forward in a negative way, we're okay. The second thing is this. Why is this happening? Having to ask God why he's doing something or not doing something. And do you know people who struggle with the why question? A lot of times I find battle anger. Because they want so badly to know why this is happening. Or why this is not happening. Can I just tell you, I don't know. I don't even know in my own life why some things happen. Let alone in our country or our world. And if I have to know why on everything to have a good attitude, I'm really going to struggle. Because I don't get to know all the whys. God has a plan, a divine plan, that... that we don't understand all of it. And the final one is this, who? And we all have those who's in our lives that when they come in the room, we get nervous. Like you ever have that person, they come into to your store or they, you know, they come into your department or they come home from work at your house. Maybe it's your husband or your wife. Uh, see me later for counseling if that's the case. But anyway, they come into the room. And immediately your gut churns, right? Immediately you're like, oh no. And you're worried about it. You just have this uneasiness. We all have those who's in our lives. And I, I would say this. If you don't have anybody who does that to you, if you say, oh, no, Pastor Dan, I never have that with anybody. I, I, I can take care of myself. I am who I am. I just say what I think, you know, whatever. Can I just suggest that if you don't have a who in your life that makes you nervous and maybe a little bit worried, you might just be the who that's making other people nervous and worried. Because we all, we all have them unless we're not aware enough that we might be that person. And so I just want to reiterate to you that the reasons for worry are not going away. When this goes and this too shall pass, there will be something that comes in its place that causes you 
to be tempted to be filled with worry. That's just how it works. That's just how our time on earth is. This is not newsflash. This is not heaven, right? This is a preparing ground for the next life. This is not the life. Two weeks ago in our devotions, we read from Ecclesiastes, everything's meaningless under the sun, right? It's this will be gone. And then there's eternity. And so I just encourage you, don't give in to worry. But live peace squared. Pray with thanksgiving and make your requests known to God. But live consistently in prayer because that's where the supernatural dynamic power is, right? I don't have any power in and of myself, but prayer is my opportunity to go from my limitations, from my limited opportunity to make a difference to God's infinite power. That's what prayer does. And it changes my heart. And if you'll live that way, you will have peace without understanding, P to infinity, peace that continues on and on and on. But you have to live with a protected thought life focusing on what's true, what's honorable, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely and admirable. And persistently practice that. There's some great theology in a country song that I like. And the off, I can't remember the artist, but she says, anybody can be good once in a while but the love of her life is good all the time, which we know, I guess, theologically is not the best, but close. (laughs) We're not. We have to live this way persistently. Like, I can't be do it today and not for the next three weeks and think that I'm going to be living a peaceful life. But persistently practicing Focusing our attention on these things. And then the presence of God floods your soul. And then you're in business, right? Then you are in business. That's like the oil. Worry is like when sand gets in the gears. And it just grinds you to a halt. But the presence of the God of peace... That's like smooth oil. That's like, that gets you going again. And so I just want you to leave this place today thinking maybe this catchy little equation will help you kind of remember to to live at peace, to focus your attention persistently because I believe that in this day is a great day for the church to shine. But if we're worrying ourselves to death, we're not going to shine. So I just encourage you, live without worry. Live with the peace of God. Let it revolutionize your heart. I want to pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your truth that we can focus on all of these things. That greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The fact that Jesus promised his peace to be with us. 
that we can have that peace eternally, that Jesus is returning for his church. That's our blessed hope. There's nothing here that we can put our eternal hope in because all of this will be gone except those people that we lead to Christ and have the privilege and opportunity to take to heaven with us. So God, help us to keep our mind on the things that are really important, to fix our minds and our thoughts on things that are true and honorable and good, admirable, to stay in that place, God, because, man, it's so much better sailing when we do that. So, Lord, I pray for every person that may be battling in these weeks a lack of peace. God, I pray that moving forward, they'll just simply reflect on these things and experience the transforming peace of God every day. In Jesus' name, amen.